Hi, I'm Jane Hilsden, marketing consultant and founder of the How To Do Marketing Academy, as well as small business marketing agency, Dragonfly Marketing. Welcome to this episode of the How To Do Marketing Show, a no-nonsense podcast about marketing for small business. It's my mission to put marketing on the agenda for every regionally-based small business in Australia. Why? Because I know that when marketing is done properly, it can help your business grow. The How To Do Marketing Show is a podcast just for you and your small business. Bursting with marketing insight and information, this show will be a fabulous resource to help you know all there is to know about the topic of marketing for small business. These days, it seems that just about everybody is a marketer. The person who studied a marketing subject at uni 20 years ago, well, yeah, they're all over marketing. There's the digital sales rep selling their online marketing services to unsuspecting small business owners total marketing experts, according to them. There's the business coach facilitating a business strategy session who knows boats when it comes to the importance of Google reviews and therefore takes that as a cue to weigh in on marketing strategy. Or we've all heard the great ideas for marketing that come from well-intentioned executives who've had zero exposure to the foundations of marketing strategy or the organization's culture, customer, but have just come back from a barbecue where a mate was talking about some of the marketing that their business does. So, of course, they're a marketer. The marketing industry is fractured and it's busy and it's confusing for small business owners to have to navigate and to know who to trust when it comes to gaining professional marketing advice. There is, though, one way that you can sort the wheat from the chaff when it comes to marketing, and that is by looking for the post-nominal title of Certified Practicing Marketer or the abbreviation of CPM on your prospect marketer's profile. The CPM designation is the only peak professional benchmark of its kind for marketers in the Asia-Pacific region, and the title officially recognises both formal education and the successful application of a marketer's marketing knowledge and skills in practice. So the CPM is designated by the Australian Marketing Institute, which you may have heard me talk about from time to time, Um, and this is the largest network of marketers in Australia. So, of course, I am a CPM and I have been for quite a few years now since joining the AMI. And somebody else that is a CPM is a lady called Christy Atkins. She's also the founder of Wink, which is a business that specialises in customer acquisition and retention. Christy sits on many boards and she wins many awards. And in fact, last year, Christy and I both tied as Certified Practicing Marketer of the Year, in, uh, in well, which was 2021. Um, and that was at the Australian Marketing Institute Awards for Marketing Excellence. Christy is a brilliant and well-revered marketer, and I couldn't think of a better person to shoot the breeze with about what it means to be a certified practicing marketer and why you guys should actually care about what that means. 
So I started the conversation with Christy by asking her about her marketing career and how it has led her to where she is now. Thanks, Jane, for having me. Um, I think my career is definitely a combination of both hard work and luck. Um, I actually started my working life as a journalist in regional radio in New South Wales. I know uh, regional New South Wales, very um, close to your heart also. Um, Got into my university degree originally uh, to study communications by literally one quarter of a mark. I think I actually got the last seat in the lecture hall. Uh, Had to slog it out at school, was never an amazing student, but really always sort of wanted to, to be a journalist and got an opportunity um, while I was still studying, actually, at uni. They didn't have anyone to read news on weekends. Literally, they had no one to read news at the local radio station on the weekend, and they gave me a bit of a a run, Um, didn't know anything, made lots of mistakes, but they literally would throw the copy in front of you and say, read it out, please make as few mistakes as you possibly can. (laughs) Um, But I learned so much um, from there. You know, I got to be surrounded by really amazingly skilled journalists and communicators, um, people that had had a lifetime of experience in markets both around Australia and and overseas. Lots of people took me under their wing, uh, eventually sort of worked my way up the ranks there and uh, worked as a reporter and then eventually an on-air announcer and um, picked up some marketing duties almost on the side, um, having sort of had some marketing studies at university and amongst my subjects. And through all of that, met the people who at the time were intending to expand what used to be called Greater Union Cinemas, now is Event Cinemas. Um, And we used to do lots of promotions in radio stations, as you would recall, you know, win tickets to, you know, the premiere and whatnot, got to know them well. They were expanding and they were looking for somebody who understood um, the way that regional markets work to run their regional marketing for them. Mm. Um, And, yeah, so got my first opportunity there, spent quite a long time in that business, eventually worked my way up to be um, group sales director for event hospitality and entertainment, which was just an amazing job. Uh, Moved on from there to be a chief commercial officer for the organisation now known as Avato, um, which is a big diversified marketing services company. Uh, From there, um, decided at one point or another it was time to have a little bit more fun and get back into sort of more of a hospitality entertainment capacity and had a job as um, managing director for Village Roadshow looking after their uh, marketing solutions loyalty business, which was amazing. Um, That business was eventually acquired by a big global beast called uh, Blackhawk Network, Um, And at that time, I took a a new position that was working in a similar space, but had met somebody along the way that felt like the right partner for me. And we decided to start our own business. And now we have uh, Wink, which is a customer acquisition and retention marketing firm. We're into our third year and and it's going great. So it's been certainly an amazing, amazing ride. Yes, and I have just learned so much about you in in that answer. I had no idea that you had heritage in regional. Well, I knew knew you were from Newcastle originally, which is, of course, regional, but didn't realise how much regional was entrenched within the beginning of your, your career, but also radio. And now that I, like, 
as soon as I hear someone's voice, like as soon as someone says, says that they've been on radio, I, you know, you immediately listen to that voice and it makes so much sense. <laughs> It makes so much sense. You have a beautiful radio voice. That's, oh, um, I don't know if my uh, vowels are as nicely cultured as they as they used to be, but uh, it's actually pretty funny because, I mean, you would know from doing this and all the speaking gigs and things that you do and some of the tips that you learn, um, you know, you carry on. So I know one of the, you know, here's a little radio newsreader tip that if you say something with confidence and you just keep reading, people just presume what you're saying is correct. So if you don't okay. know how to pronounce something, you know, when you're doing a, yes. when you're doing a preso, yeah. you just keep it rolling, say it with confidence and people are like, oh, yeah, fair enough, no worries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, unless it's unless it's like like the prime minister's name or something like that, where people exactly. do know yeah. how but to. Jane, I think one thing that's been really interesting for me, and I reflect on a lot now, is the foundational skills you learn in a job like that or roles like that really are those key foundational skills for marketing and mar- and marketers. Yeah, you know, things like being able to cast the net to get information, really understanding deadlines, uh, being a a good communicator, being able to quickly build relationships with people and understand people's motivations. You know, some of those things, they they never go away. And I know, you know, both of us work a lot with, you know, young marketers in, in a mentoring capacity and whatnot. And they're some of the things that I try to convey um, to those people that are coming up the ranks, you know, that you can have the most amazing education, you can be brilliant, you can be academically, you know, the best person in the world. But Mm. some of those, you know, basics that you learn when you're doing a retail job or a fast food job or whatever, you can take those with you in your career. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I pin my foundations to uh, the, I guess, my the beginnings of my career f- with McDonald's. So it certainly wasn't a communications, but it was definitely a customer service oh. um, and an incredible introduction to the beauty of processes and systems. Um, and again, you know, matching that mentor and that mentee, um, you know, getting peer-to-peer training and all of that sort of stuff. Um, deadlines, the importance of presentation, the importance of, you know, turning up and being punctual, uh, being part of a team. Like I think there's so many lessons that you can learn in, in some of those foundation roles that will, will transpire and be relevant for, for the rest of your career. Your, yours in terms of that, that communication piece, I think too with radio, that ability to be able to, to think on your feet because, um I think now when we've got these two-way channels like social media and it's and you've got to be far more responsive, you know, it's it's not a matter of just like printing a, a print ad um, in, a, in a magazine, you know, that has a lead time of three months. You know, you, you put that ad together three months before it's due for published. By the time it's published, you've moved on, you know, tremendously kind of to the next thing. Whereas, whereas with social, you've got to be a little bit more agile and, responsive um and your personality like I would imagine like in terms of radio like it's a huge personality that 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 a a tie into your personality that people really engage with so um yeah I can see a lot of correlation yeah I think also you know some of the other things are probably like authenticity you know there's a lot of talk these days about authenticity in marketing you know um when you're dealing with customers on the front line in a, you know, QSR environment or whether or not you're on the radio, you have to be the real you. You know, if you try and hide behind a curtain, people just pick it, um, yes. you know, and that that doesn't change. So I think, um, you know, 
that's important. I mean, you mentioned social, but also we're in an age of virtual communication um, yeah. and podcasts and and video and TikTok and all of those things. You know, things are being said in much shorter, sharper fashion. You yeah. know, the way in which people engage has changed. You know, you need to be able to get to the point. I know in my, you know, current role, even, you know, when you're trying to secure a new business, you're mm. pitching on a video con sometimes to a whole room of people. Mm. And that's a whole new challenge as well, because, you know, you feed off the energy of people when you're in a room with them and you're presenting and you're getting them engaged in new concepts and ideas. When you're sort of sitting sometimes in your living room or your dining room, you're sort of yeah. talking at a camera and then people sometimes don't even put their camera on. It can be really challenging, no matter how experienced you are. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Can you just clarify me something? Uh, the, the, the business that you own now, Wink, and you said it was a customer acquisition and retention business. And retention. Can you yeah. walk us through what that is for people Absolutely. who might not be familiar with those terms? Yeah, so mostly uh, we work in streams including loyalty, promotions, rewards and incentives. Right. So we plan programs and campaigns that are going to really drive our customers either to uh, join a business as Got a new it. customer or stay with that business. Um, you know, and we've been blessed with, um, you know, a wonderful book of, um, clients um, across, you know, banking, insurance, finance. We work in retail, entertainment, hospitality, utilities, and it's been really, um, you know, interesting through COVID because I think, um, you know, a business like ours, there's a lot of uh, companies that have been really, really worried about, particularly churn of customers, how they hang on to everybody they've got, um, and a lot of talk about loyalty as part of the marketing mix for businesses, both large and small. Yeah. Um, and it's it's an interesting one because, uh, you know, part of our job is to provide the right ideas as well as the execution. But, you know, sometimes people come to you and they go, I want to buy this or I want to buy that. I'm sure, you know, they call you sometimes and go, I want to do social. And you're like, well, actually, maybe social is not the best yeah. thing for you to do for your goal. And that's one of the probably um, key challenges in terms of client communications we have in our business. You know, a lot of people go, I want a loyalty program because I see all these amazing loyalty programs. And it's like, well, you know what? You, for example, sell white goods. Does anyone want to earn points for buying a dishwasher? Yeah. Probably not. You yeah. need to think about some different kinds of activity to support your marketing goals. So, you know, we do that thinking and then and we execute on the strategy. Yeah, I love that. With that, and, and we're digressing from the questions, <laughs> this is just my curiosity getting the best of me, in terms of that loyalty piece, you know, loyalty programs, um, well, gosh, when did they come first into, into real kind of popularity? Probably, what, 20 years ago? Yeah, maybe 15 20, years 20, ago? 20, 25 years ago, you know, in a very infant way. Um, yeah. And now yeah. they're everywhere. <laughs> now they're everywhere. Um, certainly the, the loyalty programs, um, there's, there's some loyalty programs that really seem to nail it and some loyalty programs that seem to tick the box, you know, like, oh, yes, cool, we've got a loyalty program, we've implemented a loyalty program, but no one really. Like, say, for example, there's a sporting brand, I won't name it, um, and even, a, no, actually, I'll st stick with the sporting brand. So I'm a member, I've got my card and they ask me every, you know, their retail staff are well trained. Every time I'm there, they ask me if I'm a member and I produce my card. I get nothing 
I get nothing for, I'm like, what the hell am I a member of this loyalty? And I keep waiting every time I go there. I keep waiting for them to say, now you've accumulated, you know, or now you've kicked into, I'm just like, you're just using this to collect my data. Like I'm actually about to tear up your bloody card and throw it in your bin, not even my bin, because I feel like this is such an ungenerous and non-customer centric loyalty program. Do you do you see that? I mean, you guys obviously wouldn't do that, but but there <laughs> seems to be a lot of that, right, at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Look, if you're um, you know, a marketer and you're thinking about loyalty, the first question you need to ask yourself or get support to, to answer is what is my loyalty problem? Because a lot of the time the answer isn't a loyalty program. A lot of the time is actually I'm just trying to populate my email database. Well, that's a whole different thing. That's yeah. not loyalty. Yeah. Um, you know, or I'm um, not able to, you know, in the white goods example I, I gave, yeah. get people to buy every five to seven years rather than eight to ten years. Well, that doesn't mean you need a loyalty program. That means you need strategies to get people to buy more regularly or buy more in the suite of products or, you know, trade in and trade up more quickly. Um, So ask yourself, you know, what is your loyalty program and have a real reason for needing one. Um, And otherwise you will really upset your customer base because they will work out eventually to our point that we talked about on authenticity that you're either just trying to collect their data or you're just trying to make sure you can smash out emails in the hope that they're going to respond when you need their sale. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's an interesting space, but done well, you know, a great loyalty program can be the cornerstone of a business and its operations. I mean, you know, look at airlines, look at Qantas, yeah. you know, you haven't been able to fly the last couple of years, but, you know, their loyalty program, which, you know, two-thirds of Australia is a member of, mm. you know, has been a driving force behind the success of that group. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's just one basic example. You know, Woolworths Everyday Rewards is an absolute powerhouse. You yes. know, there is flybys, there's flybys, yeah. of other examples in this territory. Um, but there's also some really great little programs um that maybe a lot of people don't know about. I know one we're super proud of that our organization is behind is a product called Child Care Saver. Wow. And we've um done this work in conjunction with Australia's largest ASX-listed childcare provider, G8 Education. So they've got about 500 centres Australia-wide looking after, you know, 50,000 families um, every week. And we've been able to recruit uh, retailers to provide cashbacks, which families can save up and use to pay down on their household expenses to supplement their childcare bills. Uh. Really lovely construct. It's basically merchant-funded childcare, um, yeah, and we're super excited about about that program. Launched um, just this past summer, um, and has great penetration in the families. They've already collected hundreds of thousands of dollars in savings, um, and very soon we've got some extensions to that to that product coming. But you know, there are some lovely things that you can do. Yeah. that are unique and special, um, you know, and that's sort of a nice thing about an, a big organisation also giving back um, to the to its customers, not just going, I'm collecting your data and sending you lots of emails. Yeah, 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 because it's about me and, and what we want to achieve. And one more question about loyalty before we talk about certified practice marketing. Um, with, like, is so do you, so you, it sounds like you actually customise the program particularly with that childcare one, that sounds amazing. 
Um, and I recognise elements of it, but it sounds like it's really been nuanced to that particular that particular target audience of the of the um, childcare, the, the parents, the families. They're the winners. I mean, everyone's the winners, but the the parent, the, the customers are really placed first, front and centre there. Do you is it better to kind of have that customer solution, or are there like um, off the shelf elements of that? Like, is there off the shelf elements of the technology or the platforms that you run something like that on, or is that kind of thing kind of built from scratch? There are two ways of going um, about this. You can have a wholly customized solution. There are some solutions out there that are pretty cookie cutter. You can fill them with some content of your liking and off you go. Um, You kind of get what you pay for in this space, but the idea and, you know, ensuring that your solution addresses your marketing goal is the number one thing you need to decide before you probably think about the technology. Um, It's interesting, you know, when people go about deciding that they want a loyalty program, um, you know, they either go, we want a loyalty program, then scan the market for what's out there and go, who can I sort of carbon copy? Yeah. Alternatively, um, there's a lot of in, um, tenders that are run for this kind of project. Um, and therefore, sometimes you can get same, same. The, the ones that are a great process is when you meet somebody who goes, I know what I'm trying to achieve, how am I best to do that? And you can work with them on a solution to their budget, but is a custom, at least a customized version of technology yeah. that's out there. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, you know, you get the same as somebody else with different artwork on it. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. isn't necessarily going to address your business objective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for indulging me in my little digress there. <laughs> that's been a really good, good part of the conversation. Now, what we're really here to talk about is certified practicing marketing, which is um, something that we're both very passionate about. Um, we are both certified practicing marketers. Gosh, it's quite the hand, the mouthful. You as a radio presenter will nail it, I'm sure, <laughs> getting that out 10 times in a row. But faster um, with confidence. Yeah, that's right. That's true. <laughs> so we're both um, CPMs. We will abbreviate that too. And um, last year I was so stoked to actually win alongside you. You and I both tied for national winner of Certified Practicing Marketer of the Year um, with the Australian Marketing Institute for their marketing awards of marketing excellence. Now, um yeah firstly congratulations once again in fact and you know <laughs> it's, it's it's actually just got to the point well, are you a judge do you judge the yes the yes yes I was going to say we're, we're right in the midst of judging judging the awards for this year so you know it, go, it goes quickly um let's wind it back a notch why did you decide to become a certified practicing marketer to begin with I think CPM is about um, being able to demonstrate that you've achieved a level of experience um, that means that you can be trusted to provide the advice that you provide. Um, And I think that um, it's an interesting one. A lot of people go, why CPM? You know, what is that? Mm. And, you know, a a profession like um, an accountant, they've done such a great job with CPAs and CAs, you know, the engineering profession has something similar. 
And I think that, you know, our job as senior marketers is to demonstrate now the value of being an experienced marketer who can provide advice that uh, has been deemed by their peers to be able to provide that quality of advice. Um, And so, you know, the CPM badge for me is really important. I actually, um, you know, feel like at some point in my career, it kind of made me feel like I'd got to a point where what I was doing, I had to switch from sort of thinking about my future career path to going, now it's time to give back to the profession and others. Yes. And I see that really as what being a CPM means in the everyday. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. No, that's that, that makes a lot of sense. And um, your reference to the the CPA and the CA, I think that's probably the easiest way to kind of um, explain that that CPM um, recognition. And I know certainly um, it's not the same. Like we don't do like it's like they do a year's worth of qualification or something to get it, and then I think they have to um, you know obviously upkeep their their um, professional development. We have to apply to be a certified practicing marketer to begin with, and there and the way that that's ascertained as to whether you um, make the cut, I guess, or not, is based on your experience, as you said. You know your qualifications, your uh, dedication and commitment to the industry, and where you are leaning in above and beyond your you know, your existing role, like turning up to work and being a marketer nine to five is one thing, but but what else are you doing, you know, as 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 well? So I like the fact that there is a recognition in and an acknowledgement within an industry that kind of sorts those, I'm not going to say the wheat from the chaff at all, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it sorts the people who have that dedication and that commitment to learning um, to their professional development because that then benefits the whole um, industry. It, it benefits your organisation, your team, your clients, um, as well as, as 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 yourself. So I really like that there's that 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 definition there, and I love that your um, your commitment too extends to that giving back to the industry as as well, which I think is a really important part of it as as well. And um, I know that there's been a few mentees that have been lucky enough to be mentored by you and uh, have had such an incredible experience um, and rave, rave about that. So that's amazing that, that you can do that. Now, what do you think some of the benefits are for an organisation? So, like, there's, it's an acknowledgement, it's, it's a recognition for the individual that holds that qualification, fantastic. But what do you think some of the benefits are for the organisations who employ CPM? So whether it's internally, whether it's as a consultant or an agency or a freelancer, what are some of the benefits that you think companies will will achieve by employing and looking for that that certification level? I always come back to the word of trust. Mm. And it's funny because, you know, the example again of being an accountant or a lawyer or something like that, you wouldn't just go and pick a lawyer off the street without checking that they've got the right credential. Mm. And you certainly wouldn't hire someone to do the finances of your company if if they didn't have the right qualification against their name mm. or their identity. And I think this is the same the same thing. I think what you know when you're working with or an employing or employing a CPM is they have a body of work um, that demonstrates their ability to deliver. Mm. Um, you can trust them for that. 
Um, you know, it is a, a certification that's provided by the peak body of marketing in this country, in the Australian Marketing Institute. It's not just something you can go and download off the internet um, by checking a few boxes. You know, it is, um, you know, peer-reviewed, um, an application for um, certified practicing marketer of, of you know, the, the credential. Yeah. And that is not just peer-reviewed, but by very senior and experienced people in the industry. Mm. Um, and I think also that you can count on those people, not only for the right advice, but to provide, you know, good guidance for your people, whether or not you're, they're your employees or whether or not they're, you know, people that are stakeholders on a project that you're working on, mm. um, you know, that they're going to get in and that they can be trusted to deliver because it's not the first time they've done it. Yeah, yeah. And I think too, the, the term marketing, the industry of marketing is so broad now and there's so many people that call themselves marketers um, and, and some of them are not, you know, quite frankly, some of them, and that's not to take away from their skill levels, you know, they might be quite skilled in, in one particular tactical delivery um, but it doesn't make them marketers. It doesn't give them the foundation of, of being, you know, someone who's, who's had a lot, a breadth of experience with, within marketing, whether they're trained or whether they've just, they've, they've gained that, that experience along the way in the foundations of, of marketing. So I think that's something as well that, 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 um, that CPM stands to kind of, uh, I guess, um, uh, define. Um, mm. If you like, so the, so the CPM the CPM title is earned through ethical behaviour, depth of experience, and currency of knowledge. Now, for small business owners, one of the overwhelming factors of that marketing landscape is that the rules are constantly changing. My goodness, like you and I feel that as marketers, let alone small business owners. Digital channels, particularly social media channels, are constantly evolving. Offline channels have been disrupted. Like in regional Australia, we basically don't have print media as an option anymore, which is such a shame. Yeah, there's less and less local radio and television. Yeah, it's it's it is so it is a really really um, uh, disruptive kind of time in in the market. So it is really integral at this point that that. As, as marketers, we keep ahead of the game and making, you know, make sure that we keep that currency of knowledge. How do you personally, you and your team, ensure that you keep up with this dynamic and, and ever-changing scene? I think one of the things that a CPM has a responsibility to do is continuous learning. Yes. So whether that be through networking, whether or not it be through attending, you know, functions, events, training courses, webinars, um, surrounding yourself in people with different skills and ability, I think is also important. And mm. that doesn't matter whether or not they're part of your network or they're your employees, but you never want to always be working with people that have exactly the same skill set and that are the same style as you. Mm. You know, one of the things to me that I know is that, um, you know, at a personal level, yes, I'm a user of social media, but certainly not all these kinds of new social media that are popping up every five minutes, half of them will only ever last five minutes. Yeah. But that is a skill set for somebody else, you know, for me to work with. I would never sit here and go, I'm going to execute somebody's social media campaign. It's not, uh, there's people better at it than than myself. Um, 
But then in saying that for me, you know, one of the things about being a CPM and about the learning process is everything starts with a strategy. Everything starts with identifying the problem and working backwards. Mm. You know, too many times people just go, I just need social media or I just need a print ad or I just need this. Well, actually, you know, depending on what your organization's setting out to achieve, you might need a whole different mix of activities. You know, um, what's the latest and greatest mightn't be the latest and greatest for you. You know, I know that there's clients out there that, um, you know, I have worked with. And in fact, um, my business Wink is working with now where there's still old fashioned thank you letters being delivered to selected customers authored by the CEO. And that works brilliantly for them as opposed to necessarily dumping a fortune on digital or, you know, creating a huge loyalty program. You know, at the opposite end of the scale, you know, working in banking and finance where you've got you know, 9 million customers to an organization, well, you've got to look at things differently. But, you know, everybody's business um, requires something different. So start with, you know, what your business is, what it's setting out to achieve and what your goals are and work backwards rather than just getting caught up in all the noise of all the different styles of activity you could be doing. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I I really, really love that, that answer. And I know for myself, the last two marketing strategies, the one that I just presented yesterday had a huge print component. It wasn't like a local print. It was an industry print uh, publication or three. And I was just, it was, I just loved putting that bit of the campaign together because I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, like you can do so much with print, particularly when you've got a really engaged and dedicated and committed audience. It is such a shame um, that that print media is is dying because I, I actually really, really loved the options. What I think that's really good about the print media industry is that it now integrates across offline and online. So, you know, when we're looking at the different packages that some of these print media companies put together, you know, there was the, the print publication, you know, the traditional off, offline, you know, half page, you do double page spread, et cetera, et cetera. But then you could mix in these like online product demonstrations that were shared by YouTube and email distribution and, you know, social media. So I was like, God, that's such a beautiful ecosystem if you've got that dedicated audience there. Um, and the one before I had put in a, a direct mail campaign. <laughs> and I remember when I actually delivered that to the client, they went, a what? <laughs> I was like, yeah. It works, like, and even more so these days because nobody's getting anything in the mail, you know, and it, it's that's the foundations of marketing as you're speaking about. So, yes, you can, you can be aware of all the different bits and bobs that, that turn up, the stories, the reels, the TikToks, whatever, but it's the foundations of going back to that problem, to that solution, to that business, to that industry, to that customer, and going, what, you know, how can how can we solve that that mm-hmm. that problem? Yeah. And what's going to motivate those customers? Like, you know, what what is going to tear on the heartstrings or make them feel good about your business and want to do business with you or buy from you? I know. Um, at Wink, we worked on a beautiful campaign over the summer, which was a thank you campaign for Victorian frontline health workers after the, you know, un- unbelievable job that they've done over the last couple of years. Yeah. And traditionally what had happened in this particular, you know, area health district was that you know, everybody was left a gift, you know, near their locker that they could collect it 
Christmas time. Um, and obviously in the current environment, um, that was problematic, couldn't have sort of physical goods and whatever else. So we designed out for them this lovely um, yeah, piece of communication that was authored by the CEO and the board that was a straight up, you know, thank you. You know, you've done an amazing job. You know, here's you know, what you have achieved and, and setting out some of those things and then sending them to a promotional microsite to select a reward of their choice that would be delivered digitally to them. So, you know, and it was such an interesting exercise because that was, you know, a campaign that was talking to a surgeon but also an ICU nurse and a janitor and a, yeah. all the different people that, you know, and you learn so much about what is important to somebody. You know, somebody wanted to select... You know, some people wanted to select something for their kids. Somebody wanted to, you know, go and be pampered. Other people wanted to go, I just want to go out and have a meal because I haven't had a chance to go out with my husband. But yeah. the overriding, um, you know, thing that came out in that campaign is people wanting something for their home. You know, these are people that had, had terrible time, always at work. They just wanted to feel like their home could be their sanctuary. And, you know, the, the emotion that was created and the goodwill out of an exercise like that uh, at a very low cost, um, you know, when you're talking about providing communication and sending people to a basic, you know, environment to select a reward, you know, what you can achieve with on a small budget sometimes will surprise you. Yeah, and I feel like, and that's yeah, I love I love that idea of the 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 campaign. Um, I feel like too, and and you talking about that reminded me. Like when we talk about the topic of learning, I think that's the beauty that marketers get to experience when we work on those sorts of campaigns. It's not just the professional development that you do; it's the experience that you get when you lean in and and become curious and 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 really kind of learn from that the the campaign that you've just delivered. And and as you've just spoken about, like delivering that kind of campaign in that environment, like to frontline staff who've just been flogged for the, you know, the last two years, you would never have had to have done that in your career. So, to, but to be able to kind of lean into that and create something that was really, really important and valuable to them because you can and because you can learn and be curious along the way, like that's part of that professional mm. development piece. And, and I think we're very lucky that we get to do that. Yeah, we try and, um, you know, take some of those learnings and create um, content that's useful to other people as well from it. So, for example, you know, some of the learnings out of that particular campaign, you know, we've recently done an insights project on what is the right sort of reward or incentive choice for different audience segments now as opposed to what it was because traditionally a lot of the time, you know, a space like that that I work in, you know, people go, oh, here's a gift card, you know, here's some gold-class tickets, mm. here's, you know, some quick cash in order to get people to perform a certain action or, you know, do a certain thing, et cetera, et cetera. But what we've all what we've found over the last couple of years is this theme of the home, the family, good health and well-being is become really important, as has, you know, this huge theme of, you know, the importance of social purpose. You know, there's a whole new customer um, segment out there that really just wants to know that they're buying or dealing with organisations that are good people, you know, that they behave ethically, mm -hmm. um, that they have sustainable practices, you know, and choosing um, 
incentives that are going to resonate with those sort of people. That's all new in the space that I work in. Um, you know, no one ever thought about that. But now things like, you know, living gifts or outdoor activities or, you know, fitness classes or things that you can do in your home to make your home feel better and healthier, you know, they're some of the drivers now uh, for customers as opposed to the, you know, incentives that people traditionally would have provided. Yeah, yeah, that's so, that's so true. So my next topic of discussion or question is around ethics in marketing. Now, ethics is not something that's typically discussed a lot, either by marketers or about marketers, but it's a big topic. So things like false advertising have always been a thing. And now there's the issue of digital tracking where that software is in place to track people across the internet and report back insights and data so brands and and marketers um, can target people more accurately and that has posed privacy issues this area has evolved so quickly and the industry quite honestly has not really been able to keep up with you know setting up privacy policies or even best, best practice around this how do you think we're best to approach standardizing ethical behaviour in in marketing? It's a huge question, Jane. (laughs) (laughs) We probably could talk about that for the next three or four hours. But look, you know what? I think as a kid, you grow up learning what you think is right or wrong. And to be honest, for all the classes you want to take or all the training courses you want to go to on what the rules are, you, you could just be going to those all day and never learn all the rules like you just said. So I think sometimes... If it feels like it's probably wrong, it's probably wrong. And if it feels like it's right, it's probably right. But look, definitely, you know, one of the key things about being a CPM is, you know, having um, a good understanding of at least the fundamentals of what you can and can't do. So making sure when you're executing a marketing activity that you got the right advice is important. Um, But I think you can spend a lot of time overthinking. You know, Mm. if you're running a promotion, it's still the old-fashioned. You've got to have the right terms and conditions. They've got to be accurate. You can't just go and spam people. You know, most people know that stuff. Some of the other pieces, look, um, you know, I think for us in, in dealing with clients at Wink, one of the first things we're seeing these days, yes, privacy is important to people, but what is even more important to organizations now is knowing that their data is held onshore. You know, if you feel like we hear this a lot, you know, people feel a level of additional comfort. If that's the case, they stop worrying as much about whether or not if things are happening here that they're being looked after correctly Mm. uh, because there's an assumption made that, you know, we do things well here um, and that's Mm. fair. Mm. Um, So I think, look, getting the right um, people around you that can provide advice, um, you know, an old-fashioned Google sometimes is absolutely helpful if you're not sure but, you know, if you're a marketer working in a, a business, big or small, you know, use your network for this stuff if you don't know the answers because um, very few activities are the first time they've ever been done. A lot of things are dressed up version of something previous. Yeah. Um, and while the rules are changing, you know, we all try and keep across them as best we can. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and that's absolutely right. Gosh, I love that pragmatic advice, if it feels, you know, if it feels right, it probably is. If it feels wrong, it's probably probably not. Um, where I get conflicted is I think as a as a mum, like it's this it's around that social piece, you know, as a mum, I can see how social media 
can destroy you know my children um which is dramatic but it, it you know there are elements of that which is quite true that addictive nature that targeting like all the tricks that are employed there to keep people sticking to the platform um fundamentally don't work for teenage health but as a marketer I'm all over them do you know what I mean because I'm like that works for my metrics <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that works and I can work that system in terms of turning up and doing the right things as a marketer, you know, and, and obviously not the the unethical things, but just the things to work the platform, like create good content, you know, and then it will get to more people and those sorts of things. But when you're creating good content and then you're trying to get people to watch videos for longer, well, then that's kind of them watching videos for longer on social instead of actually being out, you know, living their life. So, there's like this conflict, do you know what I mean? Like there is, is, there's a lot of conflict in terms of the human and the marketer and the brand and the technology versus what we should be, what we could be. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I feel that's where I get lost is, is, is what's the right answer there? And I don't think anyone knows the answer to that right now. No, no. but uh, yet I think think you can still come back to if it feels right it's right and if it feels wrong it's probably yeah yeah wrong. you're probably you know right. because at yeah. the end of the day you know you're also not saying to a person you have to watch this content and until you watch this content you can't go outside you know That's at some true. point also you know there is personal choices yeah. uh you know and it's about what's appropriate what we do know is appropriate is it's not appropriate to have you know fast food commercials streaming through the middle of a you know episode of some children's tv program on the internet um and that's fine we know that um so i think you know you've got to decide you know what you feel is right what you feel is wrong and make the decisions from there yeah totally totally yeah that's a good true north yeah (laughs) just be a good person Um, so part of the purpose of the Certified Practicing Marketing accreditation, accreditation is to help people more clearly understand what the marketing profession actually is. You know, as I was saying before, it's quite a fractured industry. There's a lot of confusion about what marketing is versus what branding is versus what PR and communications is. And there's a bunch of people working in the social media space that some small business owners could think that social media is marketing and that's it. Do you know what I mean? And, and as you said before, you know, some people just think that social is the answer to, to all of their marketing problems. And of course, all of that is part of marketing, but there's way more to marketing than just social or just digital, you know, as we were saying before. What do you think we need to do as an industry to help people better understand who does what? I I often see the CPM designation these days as an opportunity to remind people that marketing really is the engine room of a company. Mm. So without marketing, there's usually no sales. (laughs) Without marketing, there's no voice of the customer. Without marketing, there's no connection or engagement with a customer or a prospective customer. So I think a lot of it comes back to that. Um, yeah, and so often, you know, I you know, still will run into some, you know, old people in business who go, oh, you know, marketing's just a cost center, you know, or whatever it is. And it's like, well, without it, um, you wouldn't have any customers. <laughs> you yeah. wouldn't be selling anything and your business probably wouldn't be here. And yeah. I feel like when you're a CPM 
part of your job is to remind people of the value of of marketing. It's no longer the colouring in department. More than ever, we focus on data analytics. You know, there's organisations employing data scientists. You know, we do look at the numbers. Uh, You know, we understand um, strategy and, you know, the implications of decisions that are going to be made. We don't just do pretty pictures and create advertisements. Um, And I think um, that is part of our job as a CPM is reminding people that really we are the power behind business returns. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I think that message of, so if you're particularly in that small business, because probably within the corporate world, there is a lot of recruitment that's focused around that um, and recruitment and retention. But in the land of small business, I think that landscape of marketers is really, really blurred. So my advice off the back of that would be, look for the marketer that pitches themselves in that way. Look for the marketer that says, I'm going to match the activity to your business objectives. We collect data. We make decisions based on customers, you know, customer insight. We don't just turn up and say to, you know, business number one, yeah, great, let's start doing reels because they're the, you know, the, the in thing at the moment because that's that's what we're really good at doing. So, of course, you should start doing reels. Um, that's not a marketer. Like the marketer is the person is exactly as you have described. They should be someone that is um, representing the engine at, or a big part of the engine that runs your business and it should plug into your business as opposed to just being something pretty and entertaining that sits over there on Instagram. Yep. Start out with what the problem is or what you're seeking to achieve and work backwards. Absolutely. Love it. Thank you so much, Chrissy. I have so enjoyed having this conversation with you. Um, now, if, if listeners would like to get in touch with you or even find out more about Wink, how can they find you? Uh, look, definitely head to LinkedIn. I'm a Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I-E, Atkins, um, or you can also follow Wink on LinkedIn, um, probably the easiest way to find us. Um, but, Jane, thank you. A pleasure. Look forward to uh, eventually being able to clink a glass of champagne together <laughs> in person, hopefully uh, this year's CPM when they'll be named. Hopefully we'll be in the room clinking and um, celebrating the success of the next round of um, people that are being recognised in in such a very special and and humbling way because I know it was also a bit weird when we were sort of sitting in our dining rooms and... Such a oh, shame. Almost a bit of an anticlimax. Oh, the sense <laughs> of ceremony is just not there, you know, with that that digital ceremony for an awards. Oh. Yeah, so we've got a couple of years to make up for there, yeah. Christy. So look out if we do get together at this year's event. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for that, Christy. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Jane. Thanks so much for listening to yet another episode of the How To Do Marketing Show. I really do enjoy bringing you these episodes and hope that you do get a lot from them. Now, if you would like to receive even more marketing musings from myself, then be sure to head to howtodomarketing.com.au and subscribe to our email. You can also head to our Instagram at How to Do Marketing Academy and click on the link on our bio to subscribe to the Friday Five. Each week, I send out five marketing bites that are designed to make marketing so much easier for small businesses. 
It gets delivered straight to your inbox. It's a nice, easy read. I get loads of positive feedback on it from people saying that they love getting this little burst of marketing goodness into their into their inbox each Friday. So if you'd like to get that too, head to howtodomarketing.com.au or head to our Instagram at How to Do Marketing Academy and click on the link on our bio. You've been listening to another Morgan Media Production. 